And welcome. You're listening to The Green Majority here on CIUT 89.5 FM. I am your host, Saren Kaster, and I'm in studio once again with both Dave and Stefan Hostetter. It's a pleasure. How are you doing? <laughs> Stefan, I'm, you know, I'm pretty bored with you being here, but Dave! <laughs> it's nice in to, studio. It's nice to have both of you. Um, so we're going to start in a minute. We're going to go to Dave, who's gonna, who has a little bit more about the ongoing Kinder Morgan. Of course, that's the biggest story in Canada, I would say, right now, uh, for all its tentacle, political and economic and... Uh, uh, activist-y angles. Yeah. It's got a lot of tentacles. It, 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 arguably, <laughs> it's the probably the most salient environmental news story that's been in quite some time. Right? Yeah. Man. Um, yeah, I mean, it's 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 got a beginning, middle, and end. It's I mean, it's a real... <laughs> Which doesn't have an end. It really, at this point, does not have an end. Well, and I guess just... I mean, I'm, I, you know, we're sort of having fun, but uh, but to an extent, I mean, it's... it's, it's it's uh, part of what you're saying, but being be salient too is like so many of these things are sort of like it's this continuum of things, and then we okay, occasionally open the door and say, "Here's what happened today," and then we close the door and we right. go open another door. But like there's a there's a, there's a narrative that plays out, and we just kind of like try and check in and update. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this, unlike most of the stories that we cover on the show and throughout the history of the show, are unfolding through you know across time in real time and things are really happening and there's real things to update the following week and, mm-hmm. and it's and it's captured attention outside it's sort of one of those things rare cases where people could, might be able to check in with us uh, about our perspective on a story they're reading about elsewhere a lot as mm. opposed to Oh, I never heard about that until I tuned into the Green Majority. Yes, I guess exactly. so. That's yeah. that's yeah, sort of what I was. Yeah, it's at. definitely a sh- it's definitely a story that is being well covered in other places mm. that that you might get a different angle on than something. Some of our other stories uh, are would be like sort of you know maybe little little pieces about microplastics in the in the bottom of the metro or something <laughs> that that we would actually cover in depth right. or in any depth whatsoever. Even though even even like microplastics could you again make a whole show about, but we are covering microplastics. That's right. <laughs> Not a random selection. No, exactly. Say. Uh, so. Dave, we'll start that in a minute. In uh, in the middle section, though, again, we have uh, our East Coast correspondent, Lauren, is going to be calling. Lauren Latour is going to be calling in, um, and she's going to talk to us a little bit about CAM, as well as uh, we're all going to jam uh, about Earth Day. This is our Earth Day show. I guess. It's very. It's the closest show we have to Earth Day. There we go. Yeah. Close enough, uh, and uh, and of course we have some some uh, uh, other uh, stories that we'd been collecting for previous weeks, and then kept putting on the back bumper because Kinder Morgan stuff seemed more important. So we'll have a little catch up on other news as well at the end of the show. But I'm I've eaten up already three and a half minutes of your time, Dave. Why don't you take it away right now and give us your further uh, Kinder Morgan update? Okay, so the following information was collected from CBC, Globe and Mail, the Toronto Star, Bloomberg, the Vancouver Sun, and Rabble.ca. <clears throat> After an emergency meeting between Prime Minister Trudeau, Premier Notley, and Premier Horgan on Sunday, April 15th, intergovernmental negotiations over the hotly contested Kinder Morgan Trans Mountain pipeline expansion remain at a stalemate. Prime Minister Trudeau reassured Premier Notley that the federal government is fully behind the project, stating that his government is, quote, actively pursuing legislative options that will assert and reinforce the government of Canada's jurisdiction on this matter, which we know we clearly have. But the jurisdictional question isn't as clear as the federal government is making it out to be, for the environment may be under shared jurisdiction between all governments involved, as asserted by Jocelyn Stacey, an environmental law professor at UBC. Trudeau stated yet again, This is a project we have determined is in the national interest and will move forward, adding, I don't think we would be in this current situation if the British Columbia government hadn't continued to emphasize its opposition to the project. The federal finance minister has begun formal discussions with Kinder Morgan on how to financially reassure their investors. Premier Notley's government is also in financial discussions with Kinder Morgan with a goal to eliminate investor risk. Notley stated that she is quite confident that these discussions will end successfully, the pipeline will be built. 
And that is good because the project is in the national interest. She has also said, I am quite confident the nature of the conversation we are having at this point will get the job done in terms of eliminating the uncertainty that's caused the May 31st deadline, and I'm confident that it will be built. Premier Horgan said they were unable to reach shared ground regarding the pipeline's environmental impacts and continues to pursue a court ruling regarding provincial authority over the pipeline's route. B.C. Attorney General David Eby announced Wednesday Wednesday morning that they are exercising the full extent of their jurisdiction, the full extent of their authority, and are filing a reference case by the end of the month with the Provincial Court of Appeal, the province's highest court. Horgan has said, Should the courts render a decision that's counter to our position, then that's the way it should be. At the same time, we've joined a case that has other parties, and what those other parties do is entirely up to them. Horgan is also arguing for improvements in Trudeau's Oceans Protections Plan. Premier Notley and Prime Minister Trudeau have emphasized their support for improved oceans protection, while environmental experts have pointed out that the diluted bitumen that is being transported cannot, in fact, be cleaned up in the event of an ocean spill, since it is heavier than regular oil and sinks in water. Burnaby Mayor Derek Corrigan expects to see renewed and increased effort on the side of pipeline resistors after Prime Minister Trudeau announced plans to push the project through using financial and legislative power, stating, I'm embarrassed to see our Prime Minister kowtowing to an American oil giant. We'll continue in the city of Burnaby to fight this project to our last breath. This has become ground zero for who is controlling our democratic institutions. Premier Notley introduced new legislation this week which would give her the ability to cut BC's oil supply. Usage of the bill would hurt the Albertan oil industry in the short term, but oil lobby executives are praising Notley's, quote, bold leadership, adding, it's regrettable, it's come to this. BC's Attorney General said in response, In the incredibly unlikely event that the, Alberta, that the government of Alberta actually thought that they had the authority under the law to use this act, we could be in court on an injunction to stop them from doing so and to challenge it and to sue the government of Alberta. Alberta, the Alberta Energy Minister replied, We absolutely intend to use this bill if we need to. Saskatchewan has announced they may also try to restrict oil exports to BC. BC could expand imports from other oil sources, so if used, the bill may only increase BC oil prices by about 10 cents a litre. At the same time, Kinder Morgan CEO, the Kinder Morgan CEO Steve Keane has re-emphasized his contention that the project may be untenable, saying we've pointed out that there are significant differences between governments and those differences are outside of our ability to resolve. The Alberta opposition leader Jason Kenney is calling the country broken, and has suggested the federal government should withhold infrastructure and job funding for BC indefinitely. Business leaders in British Columbia believe Horgan is scaring away investment from the province, and oil lobby executives are claiming that those opposed to the pipeline are jeopardizing the country's future, and that failure to build the pipeline will inevitably lead to a general lowering of living standards in Canada. Premier Notley said, Investor confidence, not only in the energy sector, but frankly across our economy, is at stake. We are very committed to putting pressure on BC to come around and focus on what this pipeline actually means. But Kinder Morgan CEO Steve Keane has said that the Trans Mountain issue is not indicative of wider investment issues in Canada, and Kinder Morgan will continue to invest elsewhere in Canada regardless. Major Canadian banks are also warning that investment will flee Canada if the pipeline is not built, a sector which massively increased their financial interest in tar sands expansion after U.S. President Donald Trump declared that his government would not uphold the Paris Agreement. 
The Vancouver Sun is touting a new poll of, a, of, a, of about a thousand BC residents, appearing to show that a majority of British Columbians now support the pipeline. The poll included the question asking the, asking what B, the BC government should do if businesses say they view BC as a poor investment climate and look for opportunities elsewhere. On Wednesday, Global News and the Toronto Star published the same article from Ian Bickus of the Canadian Press, which victimized Kinder Morgan as a, quote, company caught in the middle of a political feud. The Union of BC Indian Chiefs Vice President Chief Bob Chamberlain has said, this is about recognizing the human rights of Indigenous people in Canada. <clears throat> in a backhanded effort to rein in the rising tensions, Trudeau stated, the BC government's efforts to block this project have obviously inflamed passions and political rhetoric in both provinces and across the country, so I want to encourage leaders of all stripes to keep one thing in mind as we go forward. BCers and Albertans are not opponents, they are neighbors, they are fellow countrymen and women who want the best for themselves and for each other. If the federal government brings in new legislation to affirm its authority in the matter, court challenges could follow, and current lawsuits from Indigenous groups will go to the Supreme Court if necessary. Meanwhile, BC courts are already managing over 150 criminal charges brought against pipeline protesters. The charges stem from the violation of a court-ordered injunction to keep a five-meter distance from pipeline construction. Protesters have now begun to adopt the Standing Rock strategy of building homes in the pipeline's path. Elder Amy George of the Tsleil-Waututh Nation has said, They can threaten us with the army. Anything they do, my people have been through it before. And I'll end with a long quote from Chief, from Grand Chief Philip Stewart and Grand Chief Serge Simon writing, co-writing an op-ed for the Globe and Mail. They stated, Kinder Morgan's recent announcement that it is stopping all but essential spending proves that its shareholders are starting to understand the degree and depth of the indigenous-led opposition movement to this pipeline project. If the federal government tries to ram through this pipeline, it could mean going back to one of the darkest times in modern Canadian history, the Oka standoff with the Mohawk Nation. We don't believe that's the Canada most Canadians want to live in. It would be a cruel joke indeed if, in this era of reconciliation, Canada instead repeats the mistakes of the past. This is a learning moment for Canada. Canadians are starting to grasp that there are governments and jurisdictions on this great land besides the provinces and federal government. Indigenous peoples possess the inherent right to govern our territories. This is something the Supreme Court of Canada recognized in the historic 2014 Tsilkotin decision and it is the foundation <clears throat> of the United Nations Declaration of Rights on the Rights of Indigenous Peoples, which the federal government has agreed to implement. This is our constitution working, at least in practice, with Indigenous people acting as real decision makers on their territory. Thank you, Dave. So, man, there, there, is, there, there are a lot of things here. Um, but I think it, just like just to jump out a couple things that first come my eyes, A, Rachel Notley is going to look ridiculous when Jason Kenney uses that, uh, uses that bill uh, because uh, that's what's going to happen uh, if this moves forward. That she will obviate, like, I can't even begin to, rep like, to, like, to even fathom the idea that she's not going to lose this next election. Uh, not, not because necessarily, like, everything she's done is bad. Obviously, there's been a bunch of good things, but... You look at the polling out there, Jason Kenney is going to be the premier with a majority government. And then he now will have a bill that was written by an NDP government to use as a club to against the rest of Canada. Oh, he was salivating over that bill. You have, you, you, literally, the NDP has created and built a weapon which can always be tied back to an NDP government <laughs> to, to be used as a club against the rest of the provinces in Canada. And mm. that alone should be scary to everybody. 
Uh, let, and and again, and the liberal government is going to they might not back it, but they're not going to fight it, given that they're also in bed with this. They're, they have like the Trudeau, Trudeau and Notley governments have really gotten themselves into a uh, sticky situation here. Um, and I really do not actually see how either of them get out of this. Uh, the, the quote from the end really proves that, you know, the I, I think he's right. I, I, I actually I think the Grand Chiefs are correct. I do not think Canada would be willing to accept. And you said this on the show last uh, on, during a break in the last show, Saren, yeah. which was that there is no way Trudeau actually sends in troops. Because that would, I, I I fully agree that that is not a place that that Trudeau wants to go. No, because he's very he's very I, I'm not I'm not a very brief interruption. Yeah. he's so legacy focused, right? He has this vision of uh, living up to his you know li- creating a similar uh, sort of impact on Canadian uh, history as his father, and I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. Uh, but he's very concerned. He was I've never found him to be an issue motivated politician mm. um, to the extent that uh, many other politicians are. Most right wing conservatives. Uh, in this country are, you know, at least make a good show of being issue focused, right? Lower taxes, freedom, whatever, whatever the <laughs> thing might be, right? But they at least brand themselves as sort of issue focused. Um, Trudeau's never done a very convincing job of that. He's he's more like concept focused, right? Well, he's a like good government focused. Yeah. Right? Sort yeah. of like, well, we can do all the things that the conservatives wanted to do by doing the happy, friendly, smiley version. Yeah. And everyone, that way everyone will love us. And, and that comes from a place of deep naivete, but it also comes from a place of like, he just really wants that to be his legacy and, and his legacy. Now, the only asterisks I'll put on that about where we, I could be wrong about that prediction is that if he sees that legacy crashing down to being like from a, from his hopeful hundred to like a zero, because everything's crashing and burning, would he do that as like a, well, maybe I can salvage 10% by I, that's my only like asterisks of maybe he does it. Uh, but I think it's, there's no chance. And I think that's exactly how this is my my last thing for a second uh that's exactly how trudeau and notley got into this position which was if i do the happy smiley version of what the things other people want to do and i make really nice to the folks who are opposing those things everyone will like me and mm-hmm. what the mistake they made was that people who are in, concerned about the environment concerned about oil concerned about climate change are not interested in tokenism those folks are by definition informed and so when you offer them something that's window dressing, that's the number one audience who isn't going to buy it, right? When you offer conservatives, we're going to raise, uh, we're going to, we're going to lower taxes that we mean on the rich, but lower taxes, people go, oh, they must mean my taxes, right? And, and so this does work in politics fairly regularly. And I think they just tried to pull the, 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 the same old game on the only constituency in this country that can't have the will pull over its eyes, which well, is people who are going to like, okay, well, we've been promised this before. We're used to checking. Mm-hmm. We're used to people lying to us. So we are going to check well, and we don't, we don't accept what you've offered us. And they're like, what are you talking about? But well, we said climate change three times. <laughs> oh, I, I think, I, I think the, the, I think you're touching on something there, which is that re- is really that the, they underestimated the, the fact that indigenous groups and, and, and climate activists were not going to accept any sort of deal. There was not a deal that was going to make sense here, right? Both both groups had, you know, you know, specific demands, which was this has to pass a climate test, which it won't, and it has to be it has to be within a nation to nation conversation, which it wasn't, and it would, it, it, and so the fact that they are simultaneously now violating, you know, the the UN Declaration for Indigenous Protection, um, and also the 
um, of the rights in indigenous. Um, and then also the fact that it will never pass a climate test. Both these problems has forced the situators. And where now they are sitting here basically trying to give a multinational company money, tax Canadian taxpayer money, which they then theoretically, it's, it's like the worst case scenario version of this, of this is that it becomes a publicly funded uh, taxpayer uh, uh, by the taxpayers to then to then push the, and then also the army has to get involved and suddenly you're wasting money on two fronts to get a pipeline that is unanimously opposed in the in the area it is this is like unquestionably a bad scene and uh, before I move on I want to come back to the concept of making it a bad investment decision because I have bad news for <laughs> Notley and and Trudeau which is that a we are like uh, we've already seeing a, a, a serious number of banks already decide that tar sands are not a good investment decision outside of the conversation that we're currently having. Mm-hmm. You know, it was earlier today, HSBC, which I want to point out, <laughs> funded terrorism. <laughs> also decided that they now say that there's no more money for climate wrecking tar sands pipelines. Mm-hmm. So they, these are people who are out mm-hmm. to make as much money as possible so badly that they will that they will that they will be allow, allow themselves to be used as a conduit to fund terrorism. And that's not a that's a real thing that happened. They got indicted mm-hmm. for it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and and yet they are still still don't think this is a good investment. Uh, now they're going to spin it as if it's a good that they're doing it for the climate, but in reality they're doing it because right. they were realizing the reason the writing on the wall on the wall. Hey, it turns out that the climate changes are nothing. And they're joining <laughs> ING and uh, and and BNP uh, who've already made similar pledges. And so we've got three major world banks that are that are coming out basically saying that they are not going to fund these type of, of fossil fuel in, investments. And and that's just and, th- and that's that's the banks. Their job is to make money. If they've decided this is not a good deal, what makes Canadian taxpayers think that that's the thing we should be giving money to? You know, if if, if you can't find money in the open market for something, and, and it's and like it's called like then, then what are we doing here? You know, this is this is clearly a bad investment. If, if Kinder Morgan is saying we can't afford to build this pipeline, it's not it's not viable for us economically. If you don't build it by the end of this month, shouldn't that tell us something about the viability of the project? <laughs> well, yeah, if well, it's not viable by the end of the month well, to like, install yeah, a forty year pipeline. Well, yeah, yeah, you live, so currently, yeah, the scenario right now you have is is Kinder Morgan who decided it's not a, who, who decided decided it's not worth their investment. It is um, um, you're seeing major banks decide that no tar sands investment is a good investment, and the Canadian the Canadian government has decided to think I know better than both of these people. <laughs> this is actually good investment, and it's like you know, far be it from far be it from me to question the Canadian government, but I'm a little bit going to be biased towards the people who are literally building the pipeline and the people who built the infrastructure to fund pipelines. That maybe these two folks know more than the Canadian government about whether or not this is a good investment or not, uh, and take their word for it that maybe we should do something right. and you know stop Kinder Morgan. We're at time, but let me squeeze more thing into this section because it'll tease for the next one. So uh, when we come back from the break, uh, I'm going to ruin part of it, Stefan. You're going to ask Lauren. Uh-huh. Uh, to talk about Earth Day, and we're going to talk about some stuff that we would like people to do. So yeah. sorry for ruining your surprise. That's right. uh, but what I need to say now before the end of the section is a tease for that, which is, uh, you know, one of the th- one of the things to look for, and, we, and again, I mentioned this last week, but I just want to keep people focused on it. When you are reading stuff about this issue, notice plainly that the uh, this is never, ever compared to anything else ever. If we don't get this, we will lose jobs. Well, what other investments did you compare it to? Is there other things? Could we be investing in renewable energy? What are the opportunities there? No one has ever mentioned it ever in any article ever. Mm-hmm. 
what is the profitability of this project versus the cost of climate change? That's the whole thing, right? Trudeau's whole bit is smoke cigarettes to stop cancer, right? Mm. So if we do, if we do the thing, but we pass these other laws, then we'll we'll will magically solve climate change. Ma magic, magic. I'm waving my hand in the air. <laughs> I'm waving my hand like a magician. Uh, so those are the things to look for. So this is a, when you take anything, it's like saying, uh, you know, it's like, uh, well, I want pizza. Well, you can't have pizza. Uh, well, then I'm going to starve to death. Right. <laughs> what? <laughs> what are you talking about? There are other foods. Those are the things. So that, that's my tease. I, I'm sure someone out there can put two and two together what I'm going to say in the next section, right. but that's my tease. <laughs> so then we'll, we'll throw the music break. Yeah. And we're back. Uh, this is Stefan on CIUT 89.5 in the Green Majority in studio with uh, David and Saren. And I believe we have Lauren on the line. Lauren, are you there? Yes, I am. Amazing. Uh, so very quickly, fun thing about Versa was that it was a former tech on the show. That's why we're playing Versa today. They were That's Alex right. Rigi as uh, one of our former techs, lovely fellow and great band. They have an album coming out. So check that out. Yeah. Uh, so Lauren, we're here to talk about Earth Day and please feel free to jump in uh, it, to connect any of your thoughts about Earth Day uh, to the Kindermorgan conversation we did, were just having. Uh, but to frame it. There's this article on The Nation that gets posted every single Earth Day in my feed and multiple of my feeds, uh, which I can't actually read because it immediately starts with an expletive uh, and then and then really dives deep into the expletives uh, for most of the piece. But uh, it's it's called uh, Let This Earth Day Be the Last. And in its premise are, is basically that environmentalism has failed. Um, or And the planet needs a movement far more radical. And I think it's a conversation that is uh, often, you know, sort of talked around on this show uh, in, the, in different ways, sort of. The, and, and then, you know, there's a level of which some of this green news falls into different pieces of it. And exactly how you solve this the great environmentalist problem uh, is, is a big one. And but so for Earth Day, we, d we had decided that we had a question for everyone to answer, which was really just instead of celebrating Earth Day in the way that you might, you know, you know, instead of like Earth Day and Earth Hour really often end up being a way to sort of, you know, for corporations to to say they're doing something nice, tell you to recycle and then they walk away and don't do anything else. Um, and it certainly has become a if you subscribe to our, our water bottled service, we will donate 10 cents to save the rainforest. Exactly. Yes. Um, and and so and so the question we have for today that we're going to be discussing sort of is, is what would we rather people do? Uh, then celebrate Earth Day. Uh, or, or what would we, what, what we'd like people to do to celebrate Earth Day is another possibility. Either one of those answers. Uh, but Lauren, let's see your thoughts. What do you got? Um, okay, I have a few. Uh, first thing, just for our listeners to know, that really awesome article that you referenced is on The Nation um, is also part of uh, a book that Wen Stevenson, the author, published a couple years ago called What We're Fighting For Now Is Each Other. Um, and it's about sort of the climate justice movement in general. So if people read that article and they're like, wow, this is fantastic. There's a book that's basically all about that um, if they want to check that out. So hot tip for listeners there. <laughs> um, uh, as for that sort of question we're all addressing, what would we ask the world to do instead of celebrating Earth Day? I've tried to make it make my response as specific as possible. I don't know how specific I can I can be sort of beyond um, like become involved politically because there's another really great article that I'm going to point listeners towards um, that's on The Guardian. It was published a few months ago um, by Martin Lucas, 
he's a fantastic writer. And basically what he sort of talks about is how um, neoliberalism, it's called neoliberalism has conned us into fighting climate change as individuals. And I think he's sort of like right on the money there. Um, between like stuff like Earth Day and sort of the, the environmentalist movement, we've been trained to think of environmentalism and sort of the fight against climate change is a failure of the individual and, and being the responsibility of the individual. And if you aren't using the right light bulbs and driving the right car, that, that climate change is your fault and you're the reason that, that, that the world is going to explode. Um, and I think we really need to reshape that discourse and understand that um, as much as people hate politics and, and really don't want to get involved in stuff like that, Unfortunately, you have to. Climate change and sort of the ecological catastrophe at large isn't an environmentalist issue. It's a social justice issue. Um, so if you want to tackle climate change and you want to tackle environmental issues, you have to become involved politically and you have to sort of really take on corporate power. And that doesn't mean voting with your dollar. That doesn't mean like buying the green option, though that's a great thing. And I'm not discounting those actions. Like, yeah, I myself spend like $9 on my dishwashing detergent because it has fewer toxins or whatever. But um, <laughs> you have to take it farther than that. Um, you have to engage in direct action, lobby, lobby your MPs, or engage in a campaign or start a campaign yourself or, like, run for office. Um, a really sort of great example of people taking a small action and then having, like, and then expanding it into a wider campaign that will have a wider impact is everything we're seeing now with um, sort of, like, plastics and plastic straws and whatever. I actually think if people have been listening uh, right before this, Democracy Now! was talking about it on, on CIUT. But um, so like all the campaigns that are starting now where it's like, oh, the UK is going to ban plastic straws or whatever, or ban single-use plastics and all those conversations that are happening. Those all started as like part of the, it's kind of bougie, but like the zero waste movement, which in and of itself, yeah, probably doesn't amount to much more than just making the individual feel good. Um, but if we can hold these corporations accountable and make them rethink the design of their product and the end of life of that product and what happens to it once the consumer is done with it, like that's where real change is going to happen. It's, it's not it's not on the individual level, though that is good if you if you choose not to use straws. But unless we make these things big political issues and demand that the industry reform itself, change isn't going to happen fast enough. So so yeah, that's sort of. That's sort of my, my wish for everybody is, is to engage politically um, and don't be afraid to be radical and get angry because mm -hmm. these are, are issues that deserve, to, that deserve anger and rage. So. Yeah. Oh, good. <laughs> we were worried that we were angry for no reason. I, I, thought you were about yeah. to, I thought you were about to tell the listeners we had to be calm and friendly. Because, uh, yeah, you know, guys, it's just it's really better if you can engage in these issues with a level head. Nobody, nobody, like, right. nobody yeah, just, likes yelling. Just chill so, out. We can yeah. all come to an agreement. Yeah. See, if we chill out, then, then the plan it will chill out. That's that's. Oh, oh snap! I don't even know if you realized in the moment when you were saying it that what you were just saying. Was. Uh, so, Lauren, I, something was popping in, into my head that sort of uh, underlines what you were just saying, and also uh, allows me to do my favorite thing, which is opine about very large uh, sort of policy concepts. Which was uh, so the idea of the plastic uh, drinking straw ban, I think, is a really good example because there are literally, literally billions of different consumer products, right? And and because of the way that all of our regulations and systems and economic and everything are worked up, basically all of them are terrible for the planet, right? Mm -hmm. And so when we go uh, sharpshooting like this, like, okay, we're going to ban plastic straws. Congratulations, you've checked off one box on the list, 10 trillion to go. Uh, mm -hmm. And it never, ever actually creates any actual real change, right? Nobody's, nobody's multi 
trillion dollar uh, uh, multinational corporation is going to go under because of a plastic drinking straw ban, right? They're going, what yeah. they're going to do is there's a, a half a dozen companies in the world that produce these things. They're going to make them out of corn oil. There's going to be a slight uptick in corn oil prices. And then, and, and then away we go. And that's arguably better. Maybe, is it all the way better? Definitely not. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we get this incremental change with, with a very small amount of disruption to the market. And, and what is actually useful, for instance, so like, it's not even just that there's something wrong with that type of bill is that that's the wrong way to go about it. Why are we, why are we, and I haven't answered this question, but why are we, <laughs> uh, uh, doing the opt out strategy rather than the opt in strategy, right? So the opt in strategy is, and here's my, uh, test market for my fictional, uh, uh, 2025 or whatever federal, uh, uh run here, uh, is, uh, is, the other way around starting, you know, my, my government, my fictional government, which would start in 2024 or whatever it might be, would say as of 2030, you give them a long landing strip, right? Six years. You got to plan for this. Starting six years from now, we're going to start legislation now. It might even be after my government. Let's see what happens. I'm going to give you a hell of a wrong way, but here's what's going to happen. Not a single consumer product will be sold in Canada that cannot be recycled or, 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 or environmentally safely disposed of. Nothing hmm. across the board. I don't care if it's a car part, find a way to recycle it, find a way to reuse it, find, invest in, in, in whatever this thing is. You got a decade, whatever the number is, but you just put the writing on the wall. Zero things will be sold in Canada that we can't dispose of safely. And, and that's the sort of disruption. That's the type of shake the whole market where it has everyone saying, oh, now that's crazy. But that's literally the only way we're ever going to solve that type of problem because 50,000 new products come out every day. And once every decade, we take one of them back. Mm-hmm. Right? right? So uh, I'll pause there. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, totally. Yeah, oh, yeah Thoughts? No, go for it. <laughs> um, no, I was just going to want to be like, yeah, you're absolutely right there. Um, it, it's not like a perfect example to point to, but but Germany, a couple decades ago, um, like it introduced policy whereby manufacturers are responsible for the waste generated by the product at the end of life. So although it doesn't solve all of their problems, it's not like Germany is like a, a trash-free utopia. Um, Last time I heard they were burning trash, actually. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's not great. Side but, um, story. Sorry, I didn't mean to just. But uh, but but sorry. Like manufacturers out of Germany are responsible for whether it's whether it's paying for waste disposal or taking that product back or just sort of designing the product such that waste isn't generated by it. That the onus is on the manufacturer and not on the consumer or the household to deal with it, um, which is like obviously not the not not perfect but better than the model that we currently have in Canada, whereby once the product leaves the, leaves the factory and gets into a consumer's hands, then, then the, the manufacturer no longer has to deal with the ramifications of that product. So. And, yeah. and, that, and that, that issue exists almost in all types of building, right? That's the same problem that, that you currently have with developing uh, of, or developments of, of new housing. And in, in new condos is that the developer is not responsible to, to, to deal with after the built use. And so they don't make it in any way useful. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And so, but yeah, I, I, what I find interesting about this, about this, about this article, and I, I, I relate it in some ways to the concept of the, the way that academics have abro- approached environmentalism is quite different than the way, say, academics have approached the concept of feminism, right? The feminism is like a first wave, a second wave, and a third wave, whereas environmentalism, it sort of is all mushed together. And so there isn't really seen these different... Uh, there isn't really talked about as as waves of environmentalism of like of you know because but in the nine early nineties there was clearly a wave of of environmentalism that believed that uh, on that basically as long as we like 
you know, recycled a little bit more or that, that basically environmentalists tried to uh, in, tried to basically cozy up with with the with with the establishment. And and that was really the plan. You saw you saw it with a lot of large environmental organizations, uh, and and that was the move was that we will legitimize ourselves by making our asks not scary and and add ourselves into this system, rather than investing, rather than sort of fighting the system or investing in an alternative system. They sort of tried to cozy up and change from the inside, uh, which has I think in almost all accounts been an obvious failure. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. If there's too many other places that that I don't know. Too many people would defend that concept as a as a, as a win. Uh, so I'll I'll ask. I'll, I'll put I'll put my uh, my wish for for Earth Day, and then I'm going to go to you, Dave, and have a second. Uh, and Lauren, just jump in at any point in time because you can't see us. You can't wave us down. So just go <laughs> for it. Um, and so my ask is uh, to to begin to join one organization uh, or to to support one organization that is actually building a new uh, a different future. You know, join the Toronto Tool Library. Even if you don't need tools, just join the Toronto Tool Library uh, or any tool library or any. Donate your membership to or, someone who needs it. Exactly. Yeah. Donate your membership. That's totally fine. Um, or or join your local organization that is actually doing something to reduce to, to to change the system outside of what we currently have. You know, find something in your in your area um, or or close to you relatively that is truly switching away from the sort of consumerist p- uh, perspective. And 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 because these places often end up becoming hubs for the change you know like yes uh, it seems small right now but if they're truly working outside of the current system that we have and they're working towards that goal then they are the things we need to be supporting we can't just be sort of you know buying a slightly better shirt from H&M is not going to change H&M not buying anything from H&M is going to change H&M and so I think that finding organizations that are that are that are doing better and finding a way to support them uh, build really build these industries that way, uh, or build up around uh, around the industries we currently have is is my ask, uh, I guess, for everyone. Um, and and Dave, what do you got? Uh, my ideas are namby pamby hippie. I don't think they would apply to this discussion. <laughs> <laughs> you got, well, you've, you've got one. You got one slightly specific ask. Uh, so you know. Well, then I would suggest you and two or three other people hold hands. <laughs> Stare into each other's eyes, not sardonically, not sarcastically, not jokingly, but uh, simply basking in each other's shared humanity. All right. There you go. That's a perfectly reasonable ask. Uh, it is, I've definitely not- been to workshops where that happens. That's like the main <laughs> point of the workshop. So, so, so you're not wrong. You have a, you have a good idea there. All right. Well, so, so, uh, and, and Saren, you're, uh, you get the last one. Sure. All right. So mine, as I said, I teased it earlier, but mine is ex- incredibly specific uh, in very, very specific, very contrast, I think, to, mm. uh, to what Dave just offered <laughs> us, uh, which is also valuable, I think. Um, my incredibly specific ask is that you, no matter where you are living, you find out where your member of parliament or your uh, your MP or your MPP is, uh, whoever, maybe both, um, and you contact them directly, not in an email. You reach out, you go to their office, make time. This will take an hour of your time, tops. Uh, consider it your Earth Day service. Um, and go to them and interact with them directly, whether you get into a meeting, you get them on the phone, and I want you to ask them two questions. And one of those questions is what you, and feel obviously feel free to phrase this with whatever way you feel more comfortable. It might depend on the politician you're talking to, how you want to phrase it. <clears throat> but effectively, you're going to ask them two questions. You're going to ask them one, what convinced you that 
and, and ask them for details. I, I want a detailed answer. Mm. Why do you think that the tar sands will be so valuable that it's going to pay for the cost of climate change? And the addendum to that answer is, what do you know about the cost of climate change? Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. Ask yeah. them what their thinking is on that equation. And, 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 and I think what you're going to find is that they don't have an answer for that. And I want you to force them to admit that they haven't actually thought about that. Uh, because in almost all cases, that will be the case. Second question, what has convinced you that the oil industry is the only industry capable of bringing a return for Canada? Have you considered what do you know about the alternative energy industry? Uh, maybe you could say something, oh, I've heard a lot about this actually has a better dollar investment ratio, something like that. How to, what you want them to do is tell them that you're wondering why they're so dead set on the oil industry as opposed to alternative investments for Canada. So ask them about the climate change math. Why do you believe, especially if you're talking to a liberal politician, why do you believe that this is more valuable, that, that we're going to make so much money that this is going to be more valuable than climate change? Have you seen that math? Convince me that that math has been done. And that and if you convince them, then fine. Call us, tell us, and we'll get them on the air and t- to explain it to us. <laughs> And the second one is, have you, what is your alternatives? Have you considered why are we not investing in alternative energy? Not as in addition, but instead. Hmm. Those are my two asks. Very right. specific. It'll take you an hour. So, so, that, so to, to recap, we, have now, we, we want you to, uh, to get involved politically. Talk to your, uh, talk to your MP or, or, or MPP or anyone who's sort of – MP actually makes more sense given that it's the Tarzan's related. Uh, tr- support in a local organization that's actually building a change and hold hands and be present with one another and recognize each other's shared humanity. Uh, Lauren, I'm going to give you the last word uh, on literally any topic you like uh, before we throw to our next music break. Ooh, okay. Going back to Kinder Morgan, super, super briefly, because that's all I know how to talk about anymore. Um, <laughs> Greenpeace UK staged a fantastic action oh, yeah. this this past week um, when Trudeau was in London. Um, they built a fake pipeline around the Canadian High Commission, and like they had everybody there decked out in like reflective safety jackets and hard hats, and they had big banners hung off these pillars. And my favorite part of it, and I don't know how I've never sort of heard or thought of this before. But they they like they painted the side of the of the pipeline with crudo oil. Oh man, crudo! Ooh, right? <laughs> Such how have a none good of us pun. come up with that before? It's genius. Like we just needed like, the British not, wit, right? If you don't have <laughs> clever wordplay involved in your direct action, then like, what are you doing it for? So. I, that's all. That's all I wanted to mention. Amazing. Uh, and it gives me an opportunity to, to go back to my one of my favorite chants ever, which is, what do we want? Fossil fuel divestment. When do we want it? Gradually over five years. <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> although I think that was five years ago, so do it now. Uh, thank you so much, Lauren, as always. Uh, hope to have you back again soon. Uh, and uh, what do we got uh, for our second music break? Are back you're listening to the final section here on the green majority uh this week uh the end uh, getting towards the end of april and it's our earth day show um and we've got a few sort of our general news stories we're going to talk about now but uh stefan i think you're in charge of this section more or less I am are we going to do this yeah yeah so we're going to start off with a quick rundown on the uh, the ongoing and uh increasingly infuriating uh saga of flint michigan which i think Proves sort of the conversation that if you want, like, read the let uh, the sort of thing be the last, and then read anything about Flint, Michigan, and I think you'll come to a very mm-hmm. similar conclusion that the system we have currently today is horrendously broken and and is is actually harming people right now. But with the side but, story of that, just because someone sells chocolate doesn't mean they're not horribly evil. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> uh, so qu- very quickly, uh, we'll, we'll start off with uh, with Dave's sort of update on on where we're at with uh, with Flint right now. What's what's the new news? 
So the state of Michigan has recently approved <clears throat> an application from Nestle to increase their groundwater extra extraction rate to 400 gallons a minute. Uh, Nestle wants to double the amount of water it draws. 75 public comments were made in favor of the plan, while 80,000 were made against it. Uh, and this comes as Flint, Michigan is still dealing with its years-long crisis of lead contamination in its public water sources. Um, this is the largest amount of public comments ever recorded in Michigan for a single issue. The permit was waited approval for almost two years. The Osceola Township denied the permit, but a county judge ruled in favor. The township uh, in which this extraction is occurring is only 100 miles from Flint. Uh, four days after the deal, residents of Flint were told they would no longer be receiving free bottled water from the government. And now residents will have to pay $200 a month for groundwater for water they don't know is safe, while Nestle pays $200 a year to pump 100,000 times the amount of groundwater an average resident uses. Yeah. So let's go back and remind ourselves exactly how this whole thing started, uh, which is that in 2014, the state of Michigan, uh, led by Rick Snyder, who is still somehow the governor of the state of Michigan, uh, replaced, clean, replaced Flint's clean, safe water from Detroit system uh, with instead uh, improperly treated water from Flint River. This, uh, the lead leached from pipes into the water supply, and the state's was found criminally negligent uh, and has is, is been called one of the worst public health crises in U.S. history. The, to give you a sense of how bad this was, the lead that was courted was 13,000 parts per billion in 2015, which is 866 times the federal guideline of 15 parts per billion. So normally it should be 15 parts per billion, was instead 13,000 parts per billion. That, and and it, has, it affected approximately 12,000 children. This and this has now been going on for three years, and the the basically what's happened is that the federal government, uh, the Democratic senators and congressperson, went out and and got a, secured a hundred million dollars to begin to to this work, which is supposed to be matched by another twenty million dollars from the govern from the governor themselves, and for the for the from the from Michigan itself, and basically Michigan has been has been reneging on this. They've been giving like drips and drabs, like five hundred thousand dollars here, a million there, but this sort of way of doing it has left that there are still twelve thousand homes where nearly four years later uh, the pipes still need replacing. So this is this is unbelievable. And in the impact, the problem, one of the big impacts of lead is that it it it, it permanently affects brain control, uh, and, and it mm. permanently affects brain development. Um, and so some of the numbers about the, the the kids being impacted, and and the work that is now being done, and now what on top of this, to to end this bottled water uh, advisory, um, and or end end the free bottled water and the bottled water to end the free bottled water is basically forcing people who are sort of you know people who are already disenfranchised who already have incredibly high uh, bills for water that's one of the more uh, more incredible things about this is that during the time they're being poisoned the prices for drinking water in Flint were the some of the highest in the country and still are and they still are that's, that's what, like that's why and so these people are now are now being basically forced to deal with a the fact that their children are now are now suffering through 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 complications of lead poisoning which is expensive and difficult they're now being while also being forced to pay the most possible amount of money you can or for like the high, some of the highest rates of of of, uh, of drinking water for drinking water they still cannot be convinced is safe how this has been going on for this many years in Flint Michigan 
is proof that there that, that 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 you cannot take environmentalism without understanding environmental justice and you cannot understand the 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 unwillingness of 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 corporations and uh, uh, the the amount of which that there's the that some of these governments are captured uh, quote unquote by by these organizations like nestle is doubling its intake of water they're get they're paying absolutely nothing and here we are you know like let let Nestle take the Flint water. Let them pay two hundred dollars per person, and 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 let the let the let residents of Flint get the water that they're pumping out a hundred like miles away. This is <laughs> unbelievable, and it is the fact that it is managed to drop off the radar uh, in some ways, and similar to actually like, say we, even Puerto Rico, which you know a couple of days ago suffered an entire countrywide blackout uh, because again the, there's systematic ignoring of the problems when they're when they're when there are disadvantaged and disenfranchised and racialized people involved, and this is happening all across the United States, and it's just unbelievable that this continues to be an issue. A, a brief side point on that issue because I was gonna I was gonna interject sarcastically a minute ago as you were saying that, uh, but at least they have public health care. Um, but, uh, but no, but that's, that's actually really, uh, really important part of the story because, uh, just to the extent of like, well, what if part of the story, because, uh, if there was a public health care system in the United States, if this was, if, if the health care for the folks who were, uh, sick and all the very expensive treatments for all this stuff was being paid for by the government, oh boy, would this be solved real fast? Right. Yeah. Right. That's mm-hmm. like, that's the other thing. There's a social justice issue, uh, uh angle to the healthcare as well, which is that it prevents citizens from being overly abused by private corporations like this because well okay well we you know we robbed you and we took your good job and we might be you know put, owning all these politicians behind the scene but there's an upper limit to how much corporations can screw over people uh because at some point it becomes a public cost and then you know the, then you have to bribe the politicians a lot more to get them to do that because you know it's a lot harder for them to hide that right so i'm i mean i'm sort of sounding a little bit sarcastic but i'm, I'm i don't mean to be i'm completely serious uh in this aspect that this situation would not exist if there was a public health care system well it's just it's it's unbelievable how the, the number of different ways this is failing and then the audacity to cancel it in the same time you're doubling the amount of output from <laughs> nestle like this is un it's just it's just incredible uh but uh let's 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 move let's move on from from that in part just because there's it's please read all up on it there's a washington post article that's great about it that came out recently uh titled we still haven't made things right in flint and it's a necessary reading, I think, for anyone trying to understand the the true environmental justice problems that we're facing, uh, and in everywhere, really. Uh, and it explains, yeah, it's just, man, please, please, let's get some actual attention on Flint and and, and work better to force Rick Scott, like who, not Rick Scott, so that's that's a different, that's a different ballgame. <laughs> that's this is Rick Snyder. So sadly, that there are like multiple different terrible go- United States governors right. named Rick. Don't you mean Scott Pruitt? Oh wait, no, that's another guy. Jeez, <laughs> just playing a weird game now. We're gonna have to, we're gonna get to have to get some. Uh, never mind, I was yeah. gonna make it really bad. Uh, we're gonna have to get a map of all these guys. Faces. Right, exactly. Yeah. Uh, uh, but uh, but so let's move. We we're trying to cover a couple of water topics today, so let's move into a couple other ones, Dave. Okay, so microplastics have been found in 93% of bottled water tested globally. These are plastic pieces smaller than 5 millimeters. Uh, the average per bottle, or the average is 10.4 particles per liter, which is double the amount uh, found in the tap water they tested. However, uh, the bottles differed greatly, uh, with some containing thousands, others containing one. Uh, it's unclear what the effect is to human health. Plastics can ab- absorb toxins. Industry groups are denying the findings, and within three decades, there will be more plastics in the ocean than fish. 
Bow. Uh, speaking of oceans, the Gulf Stream ocean current system is at its weakest ever. Collapses of the network can cause freezing winters in Eastern Europe, more severe heat waves in the summer in Europe, more severe storms in Europe, and faster sea level rise on the e U.S. eastern coast, and increased drought across the southern edge of the Sahara, where the desert meets the forests and grasslands. Uh, new research makes scientists more worried about an unknowable tipping point, given the massive changes global warming has already brought to the ocean currents uh, and has done so in the past. The system is in some respects non-linear, meaning it could trigger surprises, and it is known that changes in current systems in the past have led to some of the most dramatic climate uh, changes in history. Well, I'm glad we saved all the, 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 the fun stuff to the end. <laughs> uh, and, and just to, to, to jump off the under the bottled water thing before getting into the, the ocean currents, this is part of the problem with bottled water, right? Like, it's what's, what's kind of incredible about this is that there is that the the places that they're when they do pull the water even it, like let alone the fact that the it is bottled water is not regulated by the FDA unless it unless it leaves the uh, unless it leaves the state that it's that is bottled in uh, and so uh, and so the idea that it would be that it would have a certain number of uh, microplastics is unsurprising, uh, and extending on that, that fact, the fact that most of the FDA approvals, anyways, are based off of industry reporting, so not great either. Stefan, how many times did you rob a bank last month? <laughs> Zero. All right. Well, you must be innocent. Exactly. Yeah. Done. <laughs> um, and and that's what makes the whole this whole commodification of water so ridiculous, right? Like bottled water is what and is, is an example of perhaps the most silly parts of of our. Of our almost or maybe absurd is the right word of our of our existential existence right now in this in this post cap or this this post capitalist world, um, which is that the literally the the thing that they would say about good salespeople in the early 1900s is that you could put that they could put water in a bottle and sell it was mm -hmm. a saying you'd use to to say this person was such a good salesperson that you could put bo water in bottle and sell it was was so absurd in their mind and yet here we are with an industry that not only is uh, is pulling water out of out of out of smaller uh, smaller smaller towns water tables so causing problems that way it is it is basically pulling water out of uh, for almost no money it largely due to the fact that the goal is to not turn it into a commodity. The, 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 the game Nestle is playing and, and these other larger uh, bottling uh, water bottle companies is that if they can convince that by applying for water permits, they if they are charged for water at all, if, if, the, if the, then then that commodifies water and it, it, it actually brings water into a different conversation. Whereas legally more often speaking. not, legally speaking, yeah, legally speaking, yeah. more often than not, if you are uh, if but if you're just pulling it for, as anything else, then it's considered like anything else. It's a tap, and, and you're just being charged. You're just being you're just being charged for the access to the water, which is why you know two hundred dollars a year to about hundred thousand times the amount of water that an average resident uses is 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 that way because of the fact that trying not to commodify it. But in doing so, you're still allowing these people to walk away and make hand over fist of money. Let's, let's be real. Just really quickly, I'm not a legal expert on this, but part of the reason I'm certain uh, must be is that the idea would be is that if you're if you're taking a bunch of water in Michigan f for use in Michigan, that theoretically that water is being deposited back into Michigan's water table. And so you're not actually depleting it in any way. I, I'm well, that's probably part of it. Right. Well, so the idea is like, well, uh, so if, if a farmer takes a whole bunch of water, dumps it on his fields, and then that gets poured into the back eventually into the water table it came from, you're not out any water water you're just cycling it right so i just i feel like that's part of the idea around well it's not going anywhere and you're not 
doing things with it. You're just recycling it. So you're really just borrowing, really. Well, you're, well, you're trying to, you're trying to, uh, the, the, the thing about it is that if, if you actually did start charging for it in assessments, it would then be susceptible to things like the World Trade Organization. And suddenly people could be, you know, could be actually, it, it gives you, it gives the government more control of keeping it within its own boundaries, right. really. Um, now, again, the water tables are often so small that even if you, you know, often places that if you, if you pull out from one small town and bring it to the major city that's like, you know, that's, you know, 100 miles down the road, you're actually pulling it from water, out of a water table because some of these water tables are not that large. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, it's, but it, yeah, there's a, there's a, they found a couple of particular ways to make this thing happen. Um, and so bottled water, don't drink it. There's another thing you can do for Earth Day. Uh, unless, of course, you live in a place where your taps are being systematically uh, eroded. And then for, in which case, give these people water. Uh, please, America, come on. Like, you, you forgot- I have very low standards for America, and yet still somehow this annoys me. Uh, you forgot to do that in your Arnold Schwarzenegger voice. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, so to move on last to the Ocean Currents one, because I think this is something that is one of those stories, and this is going to be a weird analogy, but you know how like often at the beginning of uh, disaster or action movies, they'll have a bunch of like short clips of, of people, of like a ne- of um, anchors saying like headlines of news stories that lead right. to things? I feel like this is an example of one of those mm. where it ends up being the end of a show. No one's really going to talk about it that much. It's going to be this like sort of, it's not going to be on the national. You know, there's aren't going to be huge news stories about the fact that it's our weakest point. And then suddenly there's going to be actually then then we're going to get you know a, a massive massive uh, heat wave in Europe and that this is going to be why and that's when we're going to hear about it then it's going to be everywhere mm. but the fact that the slow degradation of it is going to be somehow completely ignored uh, or lost in in the sand that of way time. it appears as as a surprise you know we couldn't see it coming there's nothing we could have done well, exactly mm. yeah yeah it's like yeah and you know despite you know, then and then you go back an article after article after article of people being like no look the ocean currents they're getting weaker they're getting weaker no hello everyone please mm. and the same thing is true with the jet streams you want to talk about like the, the ocean currents and the jet streams are quite are are you know interplay with each other, and so these these two things are have such a more profound impact on our weather. What you know, are jet streams, the, the like the jet streams, the the in the atmosphere. There's oh, there there's like different players that move that move the air around. Jet streams and, and ocean currents, my friend. And like in the jets and ocean currents <laughs> and ocean currents are basically the reason why things like the England is livable. Like if literally, like if the if the if the ocean current that currently brings warm water up to the UK coast uh, moves, the UK suddenly becomes as cold as as northern you know as where actually it it is on the on the uh, mm. on a latitude line, mm. um, and that's just that's that's not a that's a very very different world that they will be living in v- overnight. You know, they're currently the, growing grapes up there. Well, exactly. Yeah, they will not be for long unless it's uh, ice wine. Which is, I don't think is actually how I spell this ground. No, I not. think that's yes, but it was. It seemed like a good joke, um, and and so pay attention to the ocean currents. One. That's my only thought on the uh, before we uh, as we're coming to the end of the show is that I really do think these ocean currents and jet streams are are unbelievably important. And when you look for things that will cause that everyone expects from disasters, which climate change is universally not very good at. You know, there aren't too many things that climate change does that like, that, are, that are really like a night and day. But this kind of ocean current one is one of the ones that could cause that and could do that. And so do not take this note unseriously. In fact, maybe take this the most seriously, because if you especially if you live in the places that this is going to really impact, because uh, it's it is not good. It is mm-hmm. it is kind of terrifying. And it's another example of how we need to get action immediately, hopefully starting on Earth Day.
Oh, <laughs> nicely done. All right. Uh, so the, the final thing I just want to mention is that uh, uh, I really enjoy doing a lot of those in case you hadn't noticed uh, big sort of policy ideas. Uh, I'm interested in doing a show coming up soon, not set uh, on basically an, ent- an entire fake platform. Seven and I have talked about it repeatedly. I do actually have been compiling notes. If you have ideas for that or if that's a thing you'd be interested in, I'm sort of just testing the water on how people are interested in that. Uh, or if you want to suggest something, uh, please do email us at the show. You can reach that. All the show notes for today, uh, the stories, everything else uh, you can find about that, including the podcast version, if you're listening on a radio at greenmajority.ca. Other than that, have a good green week, folks. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you all real soon.